0: Welcome to the fifth roundtable marketing discussion that we're having here with Applied Art. Uh, We've got a couple different panelists here today and a special guest with Keith Snow, which I'll introduce in a second. On our panel here today, we have George, and we have Mark, who are partners at Applied Art. Feel free to say hi, guys.
1: Good day. And we also have
0: Shannon Quinn. She's our business development manager. And then we also have Keith Snow, who is a data scientist and the owner of BDE um, Data Marketing here in the East Village, correct?
2: Yep, thank you.
0: Yeah, welcome, Keith. So uh, today we're going to be talking a lot about data because um, that is all that Keith does and all that Keith is super good at. So we want to make sure that we are um, giving some knowledge and helping you guys out with anything data related. So Keith, maybe give everybody kind of a quick synopsis of what BDE does and kind of what your guys' specialty is.
2: Okay, thanks, Ryan. So BDE is a data marketing company located in the East Village of Des Moines. So we do everything data related to uh, marketing. So I'll give you some examples. If you have a customer database, we can append third-party data to to keep it simple. On the consumer side, such as age, income, do you have children, do you own your home? On the business B2B side, uh, we append data, such as uh, industry, number of employees, annual sales, years in business. So once we append data, we profile it, do some segmentation to help understand what your customers look like. And once we know what they look like, we can actually find prospects in the marketplace that look just like your best customers. So that's kind of high level. So
1: if I, I understand that, Keith, you look at your existing customers, somebody's existing customers, then you use a bunch of data to find, uh, develop a list of people that have the same characteristics. With the idea that future customers probably have the same characteristics as your existing customers.
2: Yeah. Yes, that's that is exactly right. And and I'll give you like an example. Uh, we have a client that's in the heating and air conditioning space, for instance. So most of the time, you need a new furnace or Air conditioner, you know, they go bad every 15, 20 years. So on the data side, you, you have to be a homeowner. You have, your home has to be at least 15 years old. you got to be able to make enough money to afford the furnace or air conditioner, depending on what brand you get. So there's two or three data elements that will help us target to actually get the right person. So from the customer side, knowing what they look like is key to understanding what prospects to go after.
0: For sure. Awesome, and like we said, make sure to drop any questions or comments in the chat or Q&A and a we will make sure we answer those as we go along here. Um, One of the first questions um, for folks, I know if they're curious about data, maybe Keith, you can fill us in a little bit on some of the power of having really strong data and kind of how that um, can help someone's business with some of the things they're trying to do with sales and marketing.
2: Okay, so having data as a business A business owner, business manager, marketer, etc. is super important. So, you know, we have clients from time to time that don't have any CRM, no customers at all. And, And that's hard to understand what your customers look like if you don't have data. So at some point, you should always at least try to get, and this is my recommendation, name, address, city, state, zip of your customers, uh, if you're B two B, what company the customer is always track um, quantity of sales, number of sales, and sales date. You know, so literally f- from a marketer's perspective, I need about eight or ten data elements, and I can pretty much do everything I need to do. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, and and with some of the folks, if they're trying to do some of the digital stuff, um, maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the the ability that you guys have, and maybe some case studies would help too to kind of illustrate it, since people can kind of get lost with this type of stuff for, it's kind of like a digital campaign.
2: Okay, great. So since we do have so much third-party data that we can append uh, on a customer file, and, and, and the easiest, it's a lot of times on the consumer, for instance, I can uh, append media preference. So there's data elements uh, models that are created per se that will tell me what your preference is for you know radio, direct mail, TV, display ads, uh, Roku, you know YouTube, what you do. So if you're on social networks, which social networks? So there's a lot of data that can actually drive you to the right media channels, and once you get to the right channels, which platforms you're on.
3: So Keith, you're talking about being able to identify how I prefer to receive messages, correct?
2: Yeah, that is, that is correct.
0: Awesome. Yeah, because I know with, with some of the uh, digital stuff too, you were, you were talking a little bit off camera a while ago about um, using, tracking people through a process. So if they show interest, you can kind of follow them around a little bit. Maybe, maybe talk about that and how how that process works and uh, we can kind of delve into that a little bit
2: so so and, and if i understand your question right uh, following a person around like like for instance if if i can get you to come to my website you know clearly most people know about retargeting so i drop the pixel on your computer and then you know you're looking at shoes on a website and all of a sudden those shoe ads start following you everywhere But where we can come in is actually getting you to the website to begin with. So for example, uh, everything is really targeted uh, with us for lists and such. So if I know that you love $300 men's shoes, I can find that on a list somewhere. Upload that list to our digital platform. And, And when I say digital platform, We have several platforms here, but one we have is an IP tracking platform. So I can take an actual physical address, match it to the IP number of the modem in your home. So then when you go on ESPN.com or whatever website that has an advertising network connected, and they all do, I can start pushing my shoe ads right to you to get you to come to, to my website. And then once you're on the website, you can start your retargeting pixel as well. so so uh, there's a lot of good technology out there at, that you can do very targeted at digital right now.
1: You know that's very uh, interesting. Um, what are the uh, what are the advantages of being able to be so specific? to be able to deliver uh, such a specific message to a specific audience like that, Keith?
2: Well, in, in my opinion, the biggest advantage is targeting and marketing budget, because we all have limited marketing budgets. Not, nobody has a million dollars just laying around to target everybody. Like, like as an example, we live in the Des Moines metro area and there's five to 600,000 people do I want to target everybody for those shoes I'm trying to sell? Or do I want to target the people that wear my shoes and can afford them? So instead of targeting 600,000 people, I bet I can target 5,000 people at a very limited budget and get more sales.
1: You know, that's, that's a really interesting point, you know, to my uh, way of thinking, um, Some of it, you know, sounds to some people a little, you know, creepy, like you're following uh, people around. That's not really the case. Um, Everybody's interested in in goods and services uh, that relate to their interests. And so uh, I like hearing uh, information about things I'm interested in. Uh, What I don't like in is hearing about stuff I'm not interested in. Like, I like to play tennis, so if you have some a sale on tennis balls or some information on what's going on television, I wanna hear that. I just don't wanna hear about you know uh, quilting or knitting or something I have no interest in. Uh, oh, so, come on, George.
3: You're in you're, you're <laughs> quilting. Tell well, the truth. Well, I trick. might. I might <laughs> take that up. You know, the,
1: this pandemic goes on any longer. I'll be knitting you a nice sweater, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I look forward to it. <laughs> um, and that's really, that's why the, the targeting is so important, right, is to get the information in front of the people who really value the fact that you're giving them useful information.
3: Right. Well, well, what I like about it from a client's perspective is, as Keith said, marketing budgets are narrow. You know, everybody is really, particularly now, being cautious about where they spend. So if you can get really down to the nitty gritty of who can afford it, who's got an interest, who's got a need for your product or service, and speak directly to those people, that's a whole lot better than throwing it against the wall broad and hoping something sticks, hoping you catch somebody with that wide net. I really like being able to have a more focused approach.
1: I well, you know, and that's a really good uh, good question. Uh, when you get to marketing budgets, you know, when you think of uh, big data and all this stuff, you think of all these big companies. Is this how expensive is this? Is this prohibitive to get into this, Keith? Uh,
2: no, not at all. I mean, we we deal with big companies, medium companies, small companies every single day. Uh, when it comes to prospecting, for instance, you know to get a consumer from a mailing list or a list compiler, I generally pay ten cents to get a name, address, maybe four or five data elements to get a business uh, prospect you know i 'll generally pay fifteen cents so most most of these list compilers are going to have a five hundred dollar minimum which which is fine but but you can do very targeted marketing pretty inexpensively Uh, and even on the profiling segmentation you know that's something we do you know for a couple thousand dollars we can profile your entire customer database and and really tell you what they look like to at least provide guidance so when you start doing your targeted marketing you're buying the right list and that's
1: an investment then that uh, you can use that information for quite a long time right once you have a good profile Right, right so so you can work with small companies uh i think you mentioned like roofing and hvac uh those are b2c you can do b2b as well uh is that right
2: yeah correct so you know targeting businesses is great you don't have all the cool data elements like you do for uh, consumer side but on the business side you know you still have number of employees, annual annual sales, the square footage of their office. Um, is there a female business owner? And, and A lot of times uh, I can even target the business owner at their home address as well as their business address. So I can even look at a B2B person as a consumer because ultimately they make decisions as a consumer.
1: So that means right now when people are working remotely, and they're not at their offices, so all of the normal channels that we would use to reach them—you know, through their desktop, uh, their uh, work domain, uh, or their direct mail or their phone or any of that—those are not available. That that you can still t- target uh, people um, working from home. Is that correct? Yeah,
2: that is that is correct. Like when we are my example using the IP of the modem, I can get the IP of the modem in their office. But if they're not in their office on their computer on the internet, it's it's a waste of budget. But if I target the IP number of the modem in their home and target them as a specific business type, you know, if you're targeting dentists or you know printers or you know whatever, uh, we can target them at home as they're uh, perusing the web.
1: Targeting's an un, uh, unfortunate term, I think. <laughs> ought to be something a little more friendly to call that. What about? Let's well, say I am a museum, for example. I'm. I don't have a product. How does? Well, how does that
2: work? Well, you know, if you're a museum, for instance, there's several different things that that I would consider because I, I look at uh, organizations like that, which is probably a nonprofit. They have two different customer types. One is probably who they're selling tickets to to get into the door, and the second side is probably uh, donors because they all need donors to survive. And you know, getting the name and address of the ticket buyers is one thing, and the donors is one thing. And 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 I've done this before where I've profiled them, and and I can tell you their customer profiles are totally different. A donor totally looks different than a person that's just coming through your doors. And, uh, you know, there's certain things you can do, like as a museum, let's just say you're selling tickets at the door, but you don't actually get their name and address. There's other things that I can do, like I can ping their uh, mobile device. So, if I know that the mobile device is in the four walls of the museum, I can grab that device ID, do a lookup on their address, profile the address, and, and and actually understand what the customers look like from the foot traffic that are going into the museum.
1: Now you can't actually, you don't actually know their names or anything, you just know the, the device, you can tell what device it is and where that device lives at.
2: Right, right, you're exactly right, because I have to comply with privacy laws so you know I can look at devices in the quantities of five hundred or greater so if if i I call it geo frame a museum building over a six month period and just capture all the devices that are going in and out within that six months i can I can profile them and and tell you exactly what they look like and I've done this example many times, like uh recently i did a i profiled. People going into a window showroom because they need new windows and you know I did a six month period, looked at the homeowners that went in and out, matched it to their homeowners, and without a doubt, you know the average age of home of the person that went there was seventeen years and And we all as a homeowner know that when our house is fifteen to twenty years old, our windows start going bad, same with our shingles and our in our siding. <laughs> So a lot of big expenses start happening, but the profile was was a perfect match of the people that were in the showroom. And when I what I like is, uh, you know, knowing what they look like is one thing, but then I can start sending ads to their device when they go home or you know you know wherever they're at, saying hey, you need Windows, your house, and uh, you know need an investment back into your property, but. But again, the privacy is very important, so we can't we can 't violate any privacy laws, but we can definitely target the devices
1: and well, and here again you 're not trying to push windows on the people that aren 't interested. These are people that have been to a showroom, have an interest in windows, and you 're trying to give them other alternatives or more information or whatever it might be
2: Cor- correct i mean i know I know they 're in the market. Uh, for Windows, uh, and even I could give you another example. My office is next to a craft brewery, and that's convenient.
3: You, yeah. <laughs> Lucky you.
2: <laughs> so I've I've geo framed the craft brewery, and and I've actually captured the devices over a six month period of everybody that got, that has actually gone into that craft brewery by grabbing their mobile devices, but. But because they've gone into that craft brewery, I know they like micro beers or they like craft beers. And what's cool about that is I can target a competitor brewery and capture their customers and send them ads for the brewery right next to my office. So, and we call that geo-conquesting. So there's there's several different things you can
3: do uh, That's a f- That sounds like a fancy term for creeping. I'm just saying it is, it's weird. <laughs> Hey, Keith, I want to go back to the window siding thing because I just did that recently. Were you able to determine um, who the decision maker was, if it was a woman or a man pulling the trigger on those things?
2: If I'm doing the mobile device, I cannot get the actual person. So I would not know if it's male or female, but I can get the address of the home, so not the actual individual.
3: Okay, curious. Thank you.
1: I disagree with you, Shannon. Uh, It sounds creepy, but it's really not. Like I said, what's uh, creepy is uh, being bombarded by crap ads uh, just because of that. And I think that's just irresponsible marketing. You know, um, a couple of things we hear when we talk to people that uh, have had some uh, bad marketing experiences, it seems like one of the common complaints is they spent a lot of money and didn't get a lot of return on that investment. And I think it's through better and, and intelligent and data-driven targeting uh, that you have a much more exce- successful marketing experience rather than just spending a lot of money and throwing it out there and, and not really care who gets your messaging. Um, that's the, To me, that's the creepy part.
2: Well, and, and George, and I can talk a little bit about marketing return on investment as well. So, if if, if you're going to spend five thousand dollars on a campaign and target five thousand to ten thousand people or businesses, you got to make sure that first of all, you're going to get your investment back on the marketing expenses, and then and then some. So a lot of times we have ROI formulas we do here. So if we know that you're selling a $500 product, and I know on an average campaign, like I'll use direct mail for instance, if you get a 1% response rate, and then out of that 1%, you know, maybe 30% actually purchase your $500 product, will that 30% of the purchasers drive enough revenue to actually pay for your campaign? Because, you know, getting the money in the door is one thing. And, and also I like to look at the lifetime value is, you know, I buy that $500 product once, and then I spend another $500 in six months and another $500 in six months after that, you know, your lifetime value, all of a sudden after a year, year and a half is $1,500. And, you know, the cost of acquisition, like a lot of, a lot of our clients, you know, to get a new customer in, could be 150 to $350 per new customer. So you gotta make sure that you're covering that cost. But I also know cross-selling another product to a current customer is like $12. Uh. So prospect, getting a new prospect is very expensive, but mining your current database is very very cost-effective and a lot cheaper.
1: And do you find that when you create sort of this look lookalike uh, database that that's uh, the return on those are much higher than just uh, a more random list?
2: Yeah, we, we call random lists spray and pray. So, you just, so tar- targeting is always, always really important. So, you know, you know, you spend the money to do an analysis and then you truly understand what your customers look like. And, it, and I'll give you one example that, that just really hits the spot. I had, I had an insurance company that was doing direct mail to 100,000 nurses twice a year. And their response rate was like terrible, like 0.01%. A 10th of 1% was their response rate. So what I did is I profiled those nurses, 100,000 nurses, and discovered that like 30% of them even would respond to direct mail and 70% responded, would respond to other marketing channels such as digital or, you know, radio or TV. So when we did the next direct mail campaign, we actually only did direct mail to 30,000 people. So their, their marketing costs dropped in to a third basically, but the response rate was actually higher because they're targeting the people in the right, the right method in the right channel.
1: Well, that's a very interesting example.
0: I know one of the examples you mentioned too with, with the geo-targeting and relevancy, just because you said targeting is everything. Um, you'd mentioned off camera before some diff- like how this could apply to a physical place with a higher ticket item, like a car dealership. Maybe, maybe walk some folks through that so they can understand how that process would work if you have a physical location selling kind of a higher ticket product.
2: Sure. So, and I'll use a, a car dealership as an example, Uh, I live in, I live in a suburb where there's two Chevy dealers and they're literally across the road from each other. So I can geoframe the dealership uh, and I'll call this Carl Chevrolet because that's, that's what they are. I can geoframe all the people that are visiting that dealership on Sunday grab their mobile devices. So I know you're in the market, you're shopping, you know, it's not something something you're going to pull the trigger on right away. So you're probably going to take 2-3 weeks maybe a month to shop for a new vehicle. So I and I know that, you know, my average profit margin on a new vehicle, let's just say it's $2500. And and I have no idea cuz I'm not in the auto market, but but if I if I do a marketing campaign and let's just say I do digital, I'm targeting the the cell phone devices and my expenses to target everybody that went to an auto dealership on a Sunday afternoon over 30 days. And I know that because I'm targeting them, I can maybe get, you know, 10 people to buy a new car. So 10 people times a $2,500 profit margin, you know, that's, that's, uh, what's that, $25,000? Yeah. So you spent 1,500 to two grand to, to make $25,000 in profit. So you gotta, you gotta kind of think that through. But but even on my example, if I know people are shopping at dealers, shopping at Carl Chevrolet, and I own Bob Brown Chevrolet, which is across the interstate from them, I can geo conquest those people looking for cars on one lot and say, hey, looking in the market for a new car we can give you $500 off if you come to our dealership within the next 14 days, you know, whatever your offer ends up being and putting a, you know, a time on it uh, creates urgency. But there's some strategies you can do to actually get people to, to come by from you.
1: Well, and you know, that's, if I were looking for a new car, actually, that would be, I would appreciate that information. I think uh, I think one of the differences is because you know, there's a there's there's this marketing's got a bad reputation in a lot of ways, and the way that we approach it is we never think of selling anything to anybody, but we think of helping them by providing them information on, on goods and services that they might need. And the more that we know about what they want and are interested in, the better we can uh, help them solve their problems. And, and really, I think that having that helpful approach makes a big difference.
2: Yeah, you're totally right.
1: What about, what about you know uh, uh, targeting these people is one thing. The, the actual creative of the message has to have an impact too. Is there a way that you can measure that uh, as well?
2: Uh, sure when it talk when we talk about creating messaging uh many many times you know you have customers and let 's say you have ten thousand customers they 're not all exactly the same and and to keep it simple, you may have some customers that are retired they're sixty five and above love to go to the golf course you know uh retired well off but you may also have a segment of customers that look differently maybe they are 35 to 45 have children under 12 and they're totally different. So you would want to do creative differently because clearly somebody that's, you know, 65 has different life experiences, different thoughts than somebody that's, you know, married with, you know, children planning for their future and college funds. They're, They're totally different messaging. So, so there is data available that, you know, one, we can tell you, you know, What the customers look like but we can even get into certain messaging like customer a they really care about your brand and how long you've been in business and customer b maybe they care about coupons and saving money so just understanding their mindset uh, is really really important because if if like like right now we're doing business with a high-end clothing store People that shop there, they don't care about coupons. So giving them a 5% off or a $10 coupon, they, they just don't care. So that's wrong messaging. But they probably care about your brand and the quality of the clothing, for instance, and, and giving them reasons to actually shop there.
1: that's very interesting really the the data uh, that you build can be really uh, useful in just crafting the messages for different segments you can identify the different segments Uh, uh, that's very that's very useful
2: well and and even i'll throw out there is creating different campaigns with different messaging uh let's let's just say i have an audience that's they they love online videos they love tick tock or you know youtube or they, they watch tv on their roku you know so so george let's say you you have a roku account i have a roku account and we're watching the same show but we can actually push different commercials to you versus the one that comes to me based on your profile and and that's really important because Creating the two different fifteen second videos when you're planning ahead is not going to be that expensive, but you know targeting the right message to the right household it's, it's going to be really important to uh, get the right message out. Well
1: and I think it, the I'm sorry, I was just going to interject I think the the key statement there is planning ahead, yeah. Sorry, Shannon. Go ahead. Didn't mean to. Interrupt. No, I was
3: just gonna say, make sure George gets the message about knitting and quilting because I'm already looking forward to that sweater. He's
1: gonna make, <laughs> make sure he gets that. So maybe I should be targeted with some how-to <laughs> how-to uh, classes.
3: Well, you know what's funny, and this ties into a topic of one of our earlier webinars, is about the how the messaging is so important, critically, specifically at this time where people are looking for entertainment. They're looking for value. They're looking for a distraction. Everybody's kind of tired of talking about the state of the world right now. And so if you find out and you're able to know what somebody's interest is, you, you can message them in a way that that's going to resonate, that makes them want to re- respond and engage. And, and that's so important from a sales perspective. I live in that world. I have to connect with somebody on a, on a different level other than here's what I'm trying to sell you. It's, not, it's just much bigger than that. And your data helps support that that's in fact the case.
1: How does well, that, I was going to say, how does that impact sales uh, or business development? You know, we've been talking about marketing, but uh, what's the what's the impact with a business development?
2: As in trying to get the right number of sales. What are you thinking?
1: Well, I'm just uh, better qualified leads, hot leads. Okay well higher quality
2: well you're definitely going to have higher quality leads because you're targeting the right person so you know in, in the B2, b2b world you know if, if your audience is dentists, you better be talking to dentists or if your audience is chiropractors or somebody totally different you better be talking to them so it, it's all about the messaging and and even like like i'll look at an office there's going to be on the B2B side, there's the business owner or maybe the office manager. And who makes the decision? You know, like when I look at small businesses, you know, 25 people or less, they probably, the decision's probably the business owner. But when I'm looking at a company with over, you know, 100 people, it might be a specific title within the business.
1: And it's interesting how an investment here the data, even before the, you know, as part of a marketing strategy, even before the creative tra- uh, trickles down, delivers much higher quality, uh, leads to business development. So they're more efficient and effective that an investment here kind of magnifies each step along the way, doesn't it?
2: Right, right.
3: Well, and, and you know, yeah. the other thing too, is in, in oftentimes an influencer is just as important, if not more important, than the actual decision makers. So if you're able to identify who they are and how they want to receive their messaging and contact them, that's a huge, that's a huge, huge advantage. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and just know there's just, there's so much data, you know, on, on the consumer side, I probably can get 2,500 data elements on you as an individual. And on the business side, you know, probably a couple hundred data elements on the business.
0: Yeah, I know one of the questions we had too, kind of a funny thing was how how uh, folks can protect themselves against being, tra- is there even a way that folks can do that um, if with their shopping behavior being tracked and those types of things?
2: How to, how to protect themselves? Yeah. Well, Well, there's certain things you can do, like on the mobile phone, for instance, you know, every mobile phone, whether it's an Android or an Apple phone, has a mobile advertising ID attached to your phone. And I know both those devices, you can actually go into your your settings and shut off the tracking. Now, does that mean you're not going to get ads anymore? No, you're just going to get non-relevant ads. People are still going to target your device and the websites you're on and the apps you're on. But if you leave your mobile, mobile advertising ID, you're going to get more targeting ads. So there's ways to opt out uh, on the direct mail side. There's national opt-out databases. You can opt out of you know, you know direct mail, uh, telemarketing. There's the national do not call list that you should be on if you don't want telemarketing calls. So so there is a lot of processes in place to help and ways to, to opt out. Uh, retargeting but, it on your website. You know, I, I, I'm sure there's probably ways on your browser you can shut off you know, cookie collection as well.
1: But ironically, uh, if you do that and think that you're going to reduce the amount of ads that you get, actually what's gonna happen is you're just gonna, you're still gonna get ads, they're just gonna be random. You're just gonna get right. a lot more spam.
2: Yeah, that's, that is exactly right. You know, it's kind of like Facebook, you do a Facebook ad and you can, you can log into Facebook and use their list and, and, uh, you know, just because I like a page on Facebook, like, like a certain restaurant doesn't mean I ever go to that restaurant, you know, so, so, you know, Facebook's going to say, hey, yeah, they, they actually go to, you know, Chili's or whatever, when, when I only like it because my uncle owns it. You know, yeah right. <laughs> so their data is kind of fraught. It's kind of more generic where I can actually, you know, buy a list or rent a list of, you know, people that go to certain types of restaurants that are a certain age group, have kids, and upload that to Facebook as a third party list. And then, then you can actually do, I mean, real targeting.
1: That's very interesting. Well, does anybody have any questions? Uh, that was very informative, Keith. Um, your course company is B2E, and that's b2edata.com. Or you can, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, if you have any questions for Keith, you can reach us and we can, we can uh, connect you. All
0: right.
2: Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah.
0: Awesome. looks like we didn't have any extra questions at all. So that'll about wrap it up for us today. Um, if you do have any questions for Keith, like George mentioned, feel free to shoot them to ideas at applied or reach out to him directly. Um, I think that's about it for us though. So we appreciate you coming on. Thanks again, Keith.
2: Yeah, you bet. Yeah, yeah Keith, it week. was good to talk
1: to you.